We are taking this month, the month of September, and talking about our vision and mission as a church. Now, I often say, good morning, Gateway Church, we're a family after God's heart. But that is not our mission, all right? That's not our mission. That's who we are. Our mission is not to be a family. We use this great acronym, CLEF, that talks about spiritually the ways that we're, we're growing together. C is compassion. L is love. E is encouragement. F is forgiveness. T is speaking truthfully one to another. But our mission, on the other hand, that's the culture in which the Lord is touching us with here at Gateway Church. But our mission, on the other hand, is threefold. It's easy to remember. Three words. I want you all to take these words, hide them in your heart. This is our mission right here. Within the context of a family, God's called us to win, build, and equip. Win, build, and equip. Last week, we talked about what it means to win. We used the word win the lost which is synonymous with the metaphor that Jesus so often used in his teaching in the Gospels is fishing. It's the metaphor he used. In fact, seven out of the 12, I believe it was, seven out of the 12 disciples by occupation were fishermen. Last week I showed you the Sea of Galilee and, you know, and, and I wish I had that picture. We'll, we'll get it maybe a little later to, to kind of give you an idea of the size of the Sea of Galilee, we put it on top of Malax Lake, all right? You remember that picture? And I think, you know, on the, on, on the front hand, I used to think that the Sea of Galilee was probably bigger than Malax Lake. But you could put it right on top of Malax Lake, probably a five-mile, you know, around it. Jesus Christ used that body of water he came out of Galilee, Nazareth, walked down to the plain of the Sea of Galilee, saw these fishermen, had met them before. They went back to their occupation of fishing. And he says to Simon, to Peter, to James, to John, follow me, and I will what? I will make you fishers of men. And then throughout the rest of the book of Mark, he showed them how to fish. And they did it. And so the mission that God's called us to as a church, people need to experience the love of Christ and the encouragement of the body of Christ and the truth and forgiveness. But that doesn't happen without you and I, all of us, saying, I'm in it to win people for Christ. I'm going to use wherever I'm at, in my neighborhood, in the workplace. God's called me to be a fisher of people. Mark chapter 1. That was last week, all right? If you want to listen to that message on the podcast, I invite you to do that. That was win, win the lost. Today... We're looking at the word build. Build the believer. That's those who have said, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What do we do as a church here, Gateway Church? How do we help build you 
as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So in your bulletin, I've been handing out just a fill-in-the-blank, give me a wave offering. Again, I won't do this every week. It's like, here we go again. It's that wave offering. It's just so you know that there's an outline in the bulletin. If you want to take notes, this is your chance. There's a pen probably somewhere in front of you. But the outline is right here. Today, we're talking about what? Building the believer. What is that? That's discipleship. What is discipleship? Sounds kind of like a, you know, a, a, a spiritual word. What it means is spiritual growth. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be a follower of Jesus. And to be a follower of Christ, we need to grow. And we can't grow in isolation. We grow better together. And so today we're going to talk about how we do that here at Gateway Church. So the theme is connecting in community. And this is what I mean when I say that. It's connecting in a smaller group of people outside of Sunday morning worship. So discipleship is not just coming to church on Sunday. We know that this is very, very important to gather together as a bigger congregation, to open up the Word of God, to receive teaching from God's Word. And that's what we do here, right? If you've been around here long enough, you know that the only authority that I have is when I preach and teach the Bible. I mean, when I don't do that, there should, a flag should go up and say, preacher, you're supposed to preach the Word. So I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture today, and we are going to, from this place, from this pulpit, build the body of Christ. But it's not done when we say amen and you go home. Because discipleship takes place here and when you go and connect in a smaller group outside of this context. And I'll show you exactly how we do that, where we get that idea. It's from our Lord. He set the example. He set the way. And so that's how we become more like Christ. How do we do that? One of the ways is to connect in a small group. That's not the only way. It's one way. It's a primary way here. Another way is to connect in some kind of ministry. I mean, you can't serve together without being built up in, in what it means to be like Christ. When you serve with someone else in the body of Christ, that could be in children's ministry or youth or worship up here. I mean, this team gets together. They don't just show up on a Sunday morning and say, hey, let's just kind of just wing it and see what happens. I mean, they get together on a weekly basis. They talk together. They pray and many of them have built relationships right here in what? The ministry. So that's another way that we, we grow together in community. You might have a mentoring relationship, a one-on-one relationship with somebody. It's a great way to grow as a disciple. Hear me. I'm not talking about a casual once in a while get together where you just kind of all of a sudden bump into somebody and, and, you know, you talk a little bit and share a little bit. 
I, I don't know if I would call that discipleship, all right? It might be a, a divine appointment, but discipleship is an intentional gathering together on a consistent basis. So the primary way we do that here at Gateway, not the only way, is through our life group ministry. And you saw some of the information coming in today at the tables. We're going to conclude our service by having all the life group leaders come up here on the platform. And uh, we're going to talk about which life groups we have available here at, at Gateway Church. So the question is this. Why do we place such a high emphasis and a value on this here gateway? And the reason, pure and simple, is that Jesus modeled it. That's the reason why. I had the chance. I showed you a number of pictures here within the last couple of weeks of, of a privilege that Deanna and I had to go to Israel, the Holy Land, and to, to be on that lake, the Sea of Galilee, and uh, just to, to witness what happened there. Now, this is at a high point looking down into the Sea of Galilee. It's from a pass called the Arbil Pass. And uh, I would like to think that Jesus probably went up into this place often to get along with his father. I mean, you had to kind of hike your way up to that place, but you could look down onto the sea, and we know that there were times when Jesus could see the disciples straining at the oars, so the, the wind was against them, and we told you a little bit of why that happens in that land, but looking down, you see this is the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and Caesarea is down there, the plains of Caesarea, where Jesus did a lot of his teaching and his miracles, he came down out of Nazareth into, into the area called the Galilee, fed the thousands there, preached the Sermon on the Mount in this region. And it was where, that, was where Jesus ministered to the, to the masses, to the hundreds and the thousands. He called his disciples on that, that, that lake. And so I got this, uh, the topography of the land of Israel and... Uh, Right here, obviously, is the Sea of Galilee, and you know that, that it's, 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 it's right in between a couple of little mountain ranges there. And this is where Jesus is at, right there on the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. But he, he's going to strategically move from there. He's going he's gonna to pull away from the masses. The second year of Jesus' ministry he spent right there in, in, on the north side, went around on, the, on the, the west side, the Galilee, preached, taught, sent his disciples out. But it was the year of popularity. And he spends most of his time around this lake. But then the third year of his ministry, something happens. He begins to take his disciples, and he goes north. Now you're going to say, well, pastor said that... I, I got to go north, northern Minnesota. I don't know if that's exact. I could be one of the ways that you can apply it, but Jesus goes north. And the reason why he goes north is because right in here, this is where a lot of the people are. And the, the third year of his ministry, he begins to move away from the masses and begins to pour into his disciples, the three that became 12. And he takes them up into Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi 
You can look that in, in Mark chapter 8, I believe it is. That's 25 miles north of the, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. It's year three. It's like 1,200 feet in elevation. Do you remember what the elevation of the Sea of Galilee is? Anybody remember? Did I hear anything? Ken Mitchell, you know. It's about 300 feet below sea level. And so Jesus begins to do this incredible steady incline, 25 miles up into the foothills of Mount Hermon that's just north. Here's Mount Hermon, and it's snow-capped. Not right now, but probably, I don't know, six to nine months out of the year, there's a snow cap there, and you go further up north, and Jesus takes three of his disciples, and they go way up north. It's like 9,200 feet in elevation, Mount Hermon. Here's the scripture that I want to read today. It's Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. It reads this way. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Now they're in Caesarea Philippi. And he says, we're going further north. And he led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone, three of them. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. There appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice from the cloud spoke these words. This is my son in whom I I love. Listen to him. Lord, as we just pause for a few moments and consider the scripture, meditate on it, God, I ask that you would help us see the example that you set for us in discipleship and, and what it means to, to build one another up, God. I ask that you would touch my heart and my mouth, touch our hearts to receive this word now. In Jesus' name, amen. You saw that there were two significant Old Testament men, right? Right there, the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus went way high up on the mountain, probably 8,000 feet, from 300 feet below sea level to Approximately 8,800 feet above sea level. I mean, he is, he's a mountain climber, this guy. There's no doubt about it. There's not a flat piece of land hardly, except down there by, by Caesarea. But the rest of this country, it's up and down. He takes these guys further up into the mountains. He shows them his glory. The glory that he had with the Father before he took on the humanity, God in flesh. 
And they meet these guys, talk to these guys, Elijah and Moses. And Jesus didn't have to introduce himself to these guys, all right? He didn't have to say, hey, hi, I'm, I'm Jesus, who are you? I mean, obviously he knew this was Elijah, the, the, the guy that stood in for the prophets. He knew this was Moses, the man who had given the law to the people of God. And he's talking to them. We're not privy to the conversation that these three had, but the disciples, they witnessed it. They saw it. They heard that Jesus was talking to, to, to Elijah and to Moses. So the million-dollar question is this. What is the connection between this event and building the believer by connecting in a small group. Well, what's the connection? For me, the connection is the fact that Jesus begins to pull his disciples away from the crowd into this small group of 12 men, and then he breaks them down further and says, I'm going to take three of you up into the mountain. And I want you to experience a little bit of the community that I have with my father, with some other fellows that you're aware of, Elijah and Moses, they're there. I mean, and he, he goes up into the mountain. I think Jesus would be on the cover today of, of the REI magazine. I mean, I've been in that land. We took a, a bus up into Mount Hermon, that area, and it's like you're just chugging, chugging, chugging as you go up, and Jesus did it by foot with these three guys. They put their, their the, the 12 disciples, when they went north, they had their belongings on their back. I mean, these guys were campers. They were hikers. Set the, the, the tent up, get the provisions were there, go get the wood, have a campfire, Sit around the campfire. This is Jesus. Now, I had a friend of mine. I don't know if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to, to point this friend out. I'll just give you the initials DH, all right? Just, just remember those initials DH. And I was sharing with him a little bit. This was, I think, about a year, year and a half ago. And uh, he said, I, I was saying, you know, I kind of like to hike a little bit. I like to walk. Like, that's how I get out into into the Lord's, you know, country, so to speak. I mean, I'm not, like, into it big time, but, you know, I like, I like to do that. And so I was kind of sharing with this, this friend of mine, you know, some of these experiences that I've had, and here's what he said to me. kind of hurt me a little bit. Kind of, you know, it was like, really? You think that way? <laughs> D.H., just remember that now, D.H., <laughs> He said this to me. Now, if you're a hiker of any sort, I don't want you to pick up my offense, all right? I'm learning how to, to forgive graciously and all of that stuff. But he said to me, you know, Paul, here's, here's hikers. They're just wannabe hunters. That's what he said to me. <laughs> I said, no, you, you gotta, you're telling me. Well, you, you, know, you might know who he is. I've tried to forgive him, all right? Well, I want to say Jesus was a serious hiker, all right? He was. And uh, 
he took his disciples up into the mountain to what? To pull them out of the crowd, to get away with him, and to say, check out the community that I'm a part of. You know, God is a community. He's a unity. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but in the, the, the Trinity itself, there's this incredible unity that goes on. It's, it's wonderful. The biblical doctrine of the Trinity tells us that the essence of life is relational because God is a relational God, right? He is. He made us for community. As people made in the image of God, we are deeply relational and interdependent creatures. God likes to hang out with God. God the Father is truly himself, and Jesus is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, and the Spirit is the Spirit, not when they do their own thing, right, but when they are one. And the triune God likes to hang out with us. Isn't that amazing? He does. God wants us to what? Hang out with one another. That's today's objective. You can... Connect in the community of believers today by simply making three commitments. And I want you to consider making these commitments today to experience what it truly means to be in a community of believers. Number one, it's a commitment to be together. Commitment to be together. By the way, that's Mount Hermon right here. Jesus took his disciples up there somewhere. It's just truly amazing. You can connect in the community of believers by making three commitments. You can commit to be together. It's a commitment that goes beyond an attitude change. This requires a commitment to share time and space together. It's a commitment which we say, I will be with you. I'll be with you. But you got to make the commitment. Number two, it's a commitment to engage others. It's so easy to disengage from the body of Christ, isn't it? I mean, just, I mean it does not take much to disengage. And that's one thing about the cool thing about coming off sabbatical is that for three months, in some respects, it was like I was getting away with the Lord and with Deanna, and we, we went to different places. But, man, my heart ached and, and many, many times because I missed being with the family, my spiritual family. It's so good to be back together, but it's so easy to disengage. It doesn't take long. One of the reasons is because relationships get messy and complicated and boring. There are some boring people in the body of Christ. <laughs> it's like, come on, you, you're a hiker? That sounds boring. Relationships are risky. You might get hurt. 
People, people can do such stupid things, unlike me. <laughs> or you. People can be so mean and cutting and insensitive, unlike me. And you. But the truth is, most of us could share stories of disappointment and rejection, right? Or perhaps you know the hurt of losing a friend. People move in and out of our lives way too fast. The change, the loss, and the grief is devastating. So what do we do? So often what we do is we just, we say that commitment, (laughs) forget that commitment. That was just, it's easier not to commit. It's easier just to build walls between us. But that's not what we see in the example that Jesus set out for us. He didn't say, Close yourself off. Stay on the sidelines because you've been hurt or disappointed. To do all of that in the end is to deny the nature of God and the essence of my nature as a follower of Jesus Christ. I can't close myself off when I'm in the body of Christ. It doesn't work very well at all. It creates just silos. We want to break the silos down. But to do that, we have to make a commitment. Jesus committed to 12 guys. He said, I'm going to take you out of the crowd for a whole year. I'm going to minister to the masses, yeah, but but you're going to see a, a switch, a pivot in his direction. And the only way to get out of the crowd was to go north for Jesus. So he goes 8,000 feet above sea level to pull these guys out of the crowd, to get them alone, to share with them how powerful community truly is. I want to encourage you to make a commitment to engage again. If you've disengaged from the body of Christ, I want to encourage you today. Today, say, I'm going to, I'm going to engage. This is, this is risky. I don't know if I like it. But I see that example being set for me in the scriptures. I, therefore, I obey. I commit to engage. Number three, and I close with this, commit to honor one another. Notice the way the the triune God relates. The members of the Trinity constantly, what? Honor one another. At the end of this incredible sight, this experience, what does the Father say? Father says to those who are listening, to the disciples, the three disciples, this is my son. Matthew says in his account, this is my beloved son. Do what he says. Listen to him. And so the father obeys, or the father honors the son. We know that throughout the scriptures that Jesus, the son, what? Honors the father. I don't do anything outside of my father telling me what to do, what to say, where to go. And the spirit is given 
And Jesus says the spirit will glorify me by taking what is mine and giving that to you. And so God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are seen as always honoring one another. Isn't that what we're supposed to do in the body of Christ? And do you feel honored when you meet somebody in the body of Christ and you share true fellowship and you let the mask down and begin to open up your heart and you pray for one another? I trust you leave going, man, I, was, I felt honored in that, in that brief encounter. I felt really built up in my faith. I didn't feel put down. I didn't feel judged, even though I shared some of the sin that's going on in my life. And truth came forth. So here's today's tweet. Just if you could boil it down in one statement, it's this. This is your take home. You can't have community without commitment. You can't. You say, oh, I want to get in, involved in community. I really like what you're talking about. And wouldn't that be something if I could find a fellowship like that? But if you're not committed to it, you won't experience true community. And so I want to I encourage you today to do whatever you can to get involved in a smaller group of connection with people in the body of Christ. We're going to close by by sharing with you how we do it. It's not the only way, it's one way, but it's a primary way. Pastor Nathan, I'm going to ask Pastor Nathan if he'll come. Pastor Nathan is, is the pastor who oversees our, our life group ministry, all right? And he's been doing a great job, just coordinating, contacting, having a meeting, couple meetings with people who, who are saying, yeah, I'll, I'll take the, the front, the lead. I'll be the point person to help get some of these groups going. And so today, to give emphasis and, and to let people know this is a value, Pastor Nathan's going to come. He's going to introduce all of the life group leaders that we have today, and then he's going to close by praying for them. Amen. Thank you. Come on up, all life group leaders, please, um, that, are, that are within that uh, life group page, please. All right. Wow. It's a lot less oxygen up here right now. There's a lot of people. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I first of all, I, I wanted to. I just wanted to see this as well. I love this look. Thank you, guys. Praise God. These, these are people that are hungry to connect with you, and they're hungry to connect you to God. 
That's, 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 a, that's kind of a foundation, a fundamental thing that these people are all about. As well as there's a handful of others I want to recognize as well that, have, that, are, that are leading in, in life groups and leading in other prayer uh, things uh, that are full. <laughs> and, and so most of these people up here are uh, looking for and hope, have opening positions within their life groups. So we are going to put a 45-second clock. Go ahead and start that, Bria. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's our little, and you got uh, 45 seconds each. We're going to start from, start from the top here. There, there is a buzzer. Go ahead and pause it right there. Go ahead. And, okay. Yeah, there you go. Okay. First one has 43 seconds. Here we go. Growing in. So, so the order that's on here, I'll, I'll just yell it out as we go. Growing in Christ. Here we go. When they start, start the clock. I'm Jerry and, and Jeannie Bakken, and, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, so shortly after Jeannie and I were married, we got involved in doing Growing in Christ Bible study. Uh, what a way to start our married life. We learned how many basic truths, such as uh, assurance of salvation, so we can know for sure that we go to heaven, and uh, assurance of answered prayer, and assurance of having victory over sin, and much more. Um, God has put this passion in our hearts for over 50 years um, to come alongside of others, help them also to know these foundational truths in God's word. In learning these truths, you will build a strong foundation, especially if you are a seeker or a new believer. Come see us at the table. It helped us. We know it can help you. Good job. Okay. Nice. Nice. Hey. Hi, uh, we're uh, Justin and Stacy Tuft. Uh, we're talking about financial peace. Um, people tend to feel stressed about their money. This is one way to learn how to uh, get a hold on your money and not be so stressed about it. And uh, it's a helpful tool just in uh, kicking debt. Like, who wants to be a slave to, to debt? So Yeah. Um, it changes your life and it lets you relax a little bit about finances. People do stress out. Um, but the teachings are, teachings are also uh, tied to biblical truths and guidance. So it's not just like teaching you tools and ways to figure things out. It's actually like dug from the Bible. And uh, yeah, finish peace. <laughs> Hi, my name is Tom Bishop, and my wife Kelsey and I are going to be leading a group uh, on love and respect. Uh, by Emerson Egrich, and our group is basically be focusing on the marriage relationship. Um, now, I call myself a facilitator because, as you can see, I, I don't really hold any sort of uh, uh, long-term knowledge on being married. Um, but we came to this uh, leading this group because we saw what we needed, and I think it's it's crucial in marriage relationships to come together as a community and support each other. Uh, I don't know how many times my wife has come home from a, from a group and or come home from work and been like, Tom, I heard this story and I'm just so thankful that you are who you are. Of course, that has gone the other way too. And, um, you know, that's always exciting. But we are just so excited to bring together these marriage uh, groups, uh, these these couples together, so that we can help support each other. Now, we are not only for 
married people. I talked to somebody who's engaged, and I think this would be fantastic for people who are also looking to get married. So thank you. And that's all the time we have. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm leading a 12-part video series with my wife, Becky, on parenting called Shepherding a Child's Heart. It'll be on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. every other week starting October 8th at my home in Elk River. Uh, our, our address is in the Life Group booklet on the Connection Towers in the hallway. Uh, we're so excited about the study because we don't have all the answers figured out in terms of how to parent, and, uh, and, and we want to get it, those things discovered before it's too late. We have a five-year-old and a 10-year-old, and we're, we're ready to do it well. We want to do it well. Uh, great study for anyone with children ages 18 and younger to encourage our kids to Jesus through our parenting. Ten seconds, oh my goodness. Three things, great material. We have that with Shepherding a Child's Heart. Holy Spirit's direction, and we need you. And that's it. I think there's a misunderstanding. You told me 45 minutes. Um, uh, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, we're Don and Nancy Stoffer, and we're leading a group from adults down through high school. And I think we'll all agree that we live in a world where we're bombarded with the message that God is not real and that he's even less relevant to us. Um, so the study we're going to be doing is based, um, it'll be filmed in locations with the events of the Bible actually took place. So as Pastor Paul is sharing today a little bit about uh, some of the places and locations, um, the series will explain true stories in their context, in their point in time, and apply them to our lives today. We'll follow that up with teaching, with hopefully lively discussion, and, and with application that we can take home. So we offer you the chance to, uh, uh, to have fun together, to eat together, learn together, challenge each other. Uh, as well as pray together. So first and third Fridays beginning in October, uh, October 6th. Hi, I'm Tony, and uh, we meet here uh, Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. right here at the church. Uh, the, the focus of our group is recovery, uh, transformed, refers to passage from Romans 12:2. Be not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to share a passage, or a, it's actually a, just a paragraph that I got from my dear brother, Don Alexander. I don't think he's here today, but thanks, Don. This is a definition of evangelical spirituality. The growing desire to know, love, and please God that is actively fostered in the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and other appropriate disciplines and is actualized in an obedient life. It expresses the love of God to others in their own spiritual and social needs. We strive to do that in our group on Tuesdays uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit to give people the tools to be transformed and to live lives, to walk the path that God has called us to walk. Thank you. I'm Mike, and this is Connie, and uh, we are uh, going to be putting on a... Uh, a life group that uh, probably has kind of a controversial sort of twist to it. Um, we're going to be talking about biblical prophecy. Uh, scripture says, or, or Paul says in Scripture here, uh, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And uh, we're going to be looking at events, uh, prophetic events. About 30% of the Bible is prophetic. 
and uh, you can't leave it out. And we're going to be looking at things that have occurred, uh, things that are occurring as we speak, and things that uh, will be occurring in the future. I just have to tell you that we are very grateful for everybody that has signed up, and we're full. So I, there's no sign-up sheet out there because we can't take any more. But I have to tell you, we will, I will be back there by the welcome table. Uh, I have the books for our group, so anybody that wants to pick up their book. Okay, I'm going to go anyway. Okay, yeah, I'm here. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Um, Laura Schroer, and I'm representing a group of women. We're starting a new ministry called Refresh. It's for women of the Gateway Church, for those women who have been here for years, and for those who have just started coming. Um, we are hoping this ministry will help you find your place at Gateway. Sorry, I'm reading. Refresh will meet one Monday a month from 6.30 to 8.30 here at the church. There's no registration required. There's no homework. We just want you to come. Each month, there will be a different speaker. And on October 2nd, our kickoff, um, Becky Hunter will be sharing her powerful testimony of God's faithfulness and a painful journey. This is really bad. Our goal with Refresh is to be honest, vulnerable, and authentic with one another. We will have a time for sharing in our discussion groups and a time of worship. Please come to connect and be refreshed. Hello, I'm Laura um, as well. And I just want to share a scripture with you. Um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to bring down strongholds. And so we are going to gather um, at my home on Thursday nights from 9 to 10. It's going to be late. Um, I'm a mom, and um, that's when I can meet with the Lord. And so I want to invite you into my home, and we're going to worship. We're going to encounter God, and we are going to um, lift up our swords, and we're going to fight and break down strongholds. Um, together. So I want to invite you women um, to come and join me. Um, I know the power of prayer is mighty and strong and um, God can move and we want to see you. Um, my, my hope is that you will go home into your own homes and in your communities and be a light um, in the darkness and that God is the one that that's going to strengthen you as we go into prayer with him. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Dee Dee Dart. The study I'm doing is discerning the voice of God. With It's a seven-week study that I actually planned 10 weeks for because I felt that there's some weeks that I want to be able to dig a little bit deeper into. Um, this is a study that I facilitated probably about 10, 12 years ago, and it's a life changer. It talks about obedience and the importance to have a life that's filled with God blessing, God's blessing, to be willing to first be obedient. And in that process, that you open up to hear what God has. And this kind of walks you through the journey and I think will really challenge you to not just know that God is there, but to know him intimately and to just be challenged to um, open up to what he has to say to you. It's, it's definitely a powerful study. Hi, I'm Terry Warnke. Men, if you could join me quickly, stand up. This one's for you guys. Put yourself in the huddle of the big game. Guys, standing up, please. 
You read the scripture and you hear things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes that's true. You think, yeah, that's true. I believe it. And yet there are times when you turn around and you say, it just doesn't seem like it's that way for me. It doesn't ring true to me. Well, here's the deal. We are going to dig in. We are going to jump on an adventure, a great adventure. We are going to listen to the words that Paul writes in Romans. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, God? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children, and we know we're going to get what's coming to us. It sounds a little ominous. An unbelievable inheritance. If you want to know who you are and who God has made you to be, join me on a great adventure Tuesday mornings, the first and third week. You can sit down. I'm a part of a group that meets, my name is Pastor Joel, I'm part of a group that meets Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock at a conference room at Sport Tech. And uh, if you want to come be a part of us as guys, you have to have thick skin. Because sometimes we might pick on you and sometimes we might pick on each other. We're going to read God's word. We're going to go through some Bible stories. We learn a lot about each other, right, Gero? Gero's Gero's one of those guys who... Picks on me. But uh, we have a great time, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, Wednesday mornings. Hi, Santi King. Uh, we're going to be going through Waking the Dead. Basically, um, what it is is a book that just describes, like, hey, we are in a romance with God set in the backdrop of a huge war that has been going on. And the things that you run into every day is not what you think it really is. So, Looking for seasoned, non-seasoned, please. Uh, 45 plus, 45 under guys would be awesome just to have some feedback and get the uh, just the uh, life experience mix in there. So Thursday, 7 o'clock, here at Gateway. Thank you. I'm Al. We meet here every week on Friday at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we have a, several studies we've been going through. We went through Proverbs. We uh, went through a series, 10-week series, Is This the End? Uh, we had a short series on Genesis history. And we've got a, a series now called Revealing the Mysteries of Heaven. We have a time of fellowship and prayer. Thank you. Uh, Mike and Val Capelli, we're doing a, a pretty much just a family one, we want to get together families. We like that a lot. We like the fellowship. That's probably the main focus of our group is get together a couple different family groups and just fellowship, some food, some activity. In that, we're going to be doing a Bible study. Um, we also start the first Friday in October, and our Bible study is Good or God. It's by John Bevere. Bevere. Um, basically, the study is Good or God. Why good without God isn't enough. And we're going to discuss seek out and pray for discernment between what God calls good and what we perceive as good. Um, very quickly, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Mark 12, 14, some religious leaders came to Jesus and said of him, you teach us the way of God in accordance with truth. So in this world where a lot of what is good is called evil and evil is called good, we are instructed to go to God's word and learn that discernment, and we'll be doing that together.
And I just got in here, so I don't know the whole timer thing is throwing me off. Do I have to like be done by the time the green numbers show? Okay, <laughs> just so I know the rules. So anyway, I'm actually here to talk about what we wouldn't typically think of a small group or you know a life group or what have you. But um, if you are a youth, can you guys stand up for me real quick? I'm going to pull off of Terry's idea. So youth, 6th through 12th grade. Okay, so we have what we call the youth group on Wednesday nights for 6th through 12th graders, meeting right here at Gateway unless we have a special event or something that we're doing. And so that's basically your small group is Wednesday nights. And if you haven't had an opportunity to come, I'd really encourage you to come check it out and um, hang out with a great group of kids. Uh, we're going to be starting a series by Francis Chan starting this Wednesday night. And so thanks, guys. Sit down. And um, do I get another time to talk about kids night then? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, youth group, Wednesday nights, be here, 6.30. That's what I got for that. Okay, kids' night, shifting gears. I also kind of am heading up the um, kids' night program, which meets once a month on a Tuesday night. You just have to check the posters on the towers for the dates. But the next one is coming up in October. And kids' night is for the kiddos who are my heart, is the three-year-olds through fifth graders. And we meet, we get to hang out. We're going to do large group lessons, worship, small group lessons, and then activities and crafts and games. And the the past we have done dinner we're going to take a, a break from that for right now we're just going to be starting from 6 30 to 7 45 and again you just have to check the towers and of course I always hand out the little flyers to the kids to bring home so they know what's going on so I'm in the green zone again have a great day guys We are Dick and Sandra McCormick I was going to quote Proverbs 33 7 but Sandra said don't do that to him you get it? Okay. A couple of relevant scriptures. Hosea 4, 6. My people perish for lack of knowledge. We are about uniquely you, knowing your spiritual gift and your personality. Another one. Uh, okay. For we are God's workmanship. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, prepared beforehand by God that we should walk in them. You can not really do the works unless you're equipped and we fall under the building and equipping part of this unless you know and understand how to apply your personality and your spiritual gift Go ahead. we will also be including personal prayer looking forward to what great and new things god wants to do in and through your lives I'm uh, Larry Hoovey. Uh, my wife and I have been here four years. We did a lot of small groups before that. Just a great advocate for what God's doing here. Um, so anyway, we said when we came here four years ago, well, well, we should start a group. That's what we've been doing. So we just put out the call. Well, as a result of that and what the Holy Spirit's done, we've got uh, 24 of the body here, uh, a lot of us gray hair like me, um, get together and pray and fellowship with one another uh, monthly, uh, great people to know, want you to know that they're praying for you and, and uh, thank them. And we have one of the two, we have two groups because we can only fit 12 in our house here, our townhouse. But anyway, uh, one of them looks like there could possibly ha uh, have some more people. If you're interested in, in doing something like that and basically focusing on fellowship and prayer, uh, see me. So. And there just are a few more uh, in terms of praying, and they're, they're, these are out on the table there. It says prayer on the, pray on the front, and it's pray for Gateway staff. We're looking for, for everybody to commit to praying for the specific people 
that 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 are that are laying on your heart and 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 so want to uh, and, and during this year of basically September through next August, we will be reporting back to you or even asking those people that are on our email list, so leave your name and email on our email lists to what you can pray for specifically for us in ministry, in personal, in our marriages, and just so if you, if you, if you want the lowdown on, on what's going on in our heart, um, that's a great place to, to connect and, to, and, and support us as, as staff. And uh, the other thing is that every, um, every week we are going to be praying for the services at 8.30 to 9.30 and would like you to co commit at least once a month to praying for the church in that space. If you, if you can do that, that list is on that prayer table as well. Um, and, and we need to be praying much more than once a month, definitely, but, but really want to encourage that, that place where we're going to come together and, and pray for uh, our specifically specifically for those that service of that morning um, so so please uh, take advantage of those things as well um, loved the sermon today and uh, I'm, I'm just reminded of the verse that says choose today whom you will serve and and pastor mentioned this a number of times in terms of committing today you know, and, and I think there's a little bit of a, maybe a lie that the devil wants to say that if we commit, we have to commit the rest of our living, breathing days. And it's like, well, no, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but we can choose today. And, and we don't have to worry about tomorrow, he even says. Uh, that has enough trouble of its own. Just, just look what is in front of you today. Let's commit today to life groups. Commit today to being together. Commit today to growing closer to God and one another. All right, let's all stand. Good job, team. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, lead our heart now to where you want us to grow. Where do you want us to serve? Uh, we want to be in a place where we're growing closer to you and closer to one another. Uh, help us, Father, to see that that commitment is a wonderfully freeing place and, and not a confining place. It is a place where we find our purpose and we find who we are in you um, and, and we are empowered by you and by your Holy Spirit. So help us to, to make those steps today to serve you uh, in, 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 our, in the life groups and, uh, and by committing ourselves to come and being in this place in church as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great week, everyone. Make sure to sign up. Sign-ups are in the, in the hallway on the tables.